Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well met, fellow adventurers. I have returned to... The vi- to the village of Edmark. After a long, after quite a large intermission, to do the adventure, the prisoner of foul breath. One of three men, a fisherman named Hobman, continues to relate the account that initially drew your attention. You listen intently as he describes an encounter he had with three of the creatures near Hawkwest Island only four days ago. And I begin. While relax- relaxing in the Beast Den Tavern, having settled into a relatively quiet corner of the tavern's bustling common room, your interest is piqued when you overhear several men making mention of Sarsil. The three men seem seem initially surprised when you approach and ask to join them, but they quickly welcome you by fetching a chair and setting up and setting you up with a frothing flagon. One of three, one of one of the three men, fisherman named Hobmore, continues to relate the account that initially drew your attention. You listen intently as he describes an anecdote. Has an encounter he had with three sarsil near Hawkwest Island only four days ago. Hobnail says he was heading back to back to the dock after a long rest out of after a long back to the dock after a long day out on the lake when he stung by the western shore of Hawkwest Island. One of the men on his crew, a lad named Hawkedmere, cried out in alarm and pointed out a trio of the three three trio of the wed scaled reptilians making their way way along one of the island's steep banks. Of course they had an eye full of us and slivered off into the woods, he says, says struggling. Far with me 
prefer not to get tangled up with anything like that. What do what they're up to? I don't know what. Don't know what anyone wants to go poping around the island to find out. Well, maybe you would. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Hovrimir and the others seem to be waiting for you to give some sort of response to what the fisherman has said. Before you afforded the chance to do, to, to do just that, the tavern door bursts open and a boisterous crew of four, well known to Hovrimir, move in to claim a spot somewhere in the vicinity of the den's crackling bays. You must use the opportunity to slip away from the table and make your way outside. Hmm. So I, I don't thank him or boast or anything. No, no mention. Just acknowledgement, perhaps. Hmm. Oh well. Um, I guess I'll. I guess I'll, I'll. I'll guess I'll slay the monsters first. Take credit later. <laughs> All right. Standing outside the tavern, in the waning light of an overcast late afternoon, you'll pore over what you just learned while speaking with Hobnir and his associates. According to the fisherman's tale, he and his crew spotted three tuzzle sulking about on Hawkrest Island only four days ago. For you have no way to ascertain the veracity of this story, you also have little reason to doubt the account. You decide your best course of action is to make your way to the island and investigate for yourself. To search for any evidence of Tarzan on Hawkwest Island, make your way to Yasina's hut. Select the make your way to Yasina's hut option while in Ebnesk and use her boat to reach the island. Alright then, I will. Make the way to the hut. Hello Yasina, hello, good day, good day to you. Yep, yep, you like that amulet I found? Yep, and all that? Good, yep, 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 gotta use your bow again, yep, of course. Yeah, I am going to be slaying more monsters. Take the boat to Hawkwest Island. You need to sit in your sturdy, sturdy boat. You make an exhausting but successful crossing to Lake Egmek and arrive safely on the stony, store of, stony shore of Hawkwest Island. Okay, here it's the same as it was last time. Explore the island. Now. There's nothing to do here. So we're just going to explore now. Nothing in particular. I'll just pause until something turns up. Suddenly. While exploring the northern side of the island, you spot a lone tassel slivering along through the forest, only a few dozen yards ahead. Concealed behind the trunk of a stout ash, you watch as the red-scaled reptilian, its yellow-eyed warily scouring the forest, moves with surprising speed and grace as it deftly navigates the rugged woodland terrain. Suddenly, the Tazal alters its course and begins slivering your direction. Despite the change in your direction, you remain confident the sinister creature has not yet spotted you. In, only, in a matter of a moment, the Tazal will pass within only a few feet of you. So, 
I could attack the Tazal as it passes, which would mean one less Tazal around, because obviously I'm going to end up, I'm going to win. <laughs> Goes without saying, doesn't it? Even though I just said it. Or I could allow the Tazal to pass, presumably, to follow it to its lair, and thus eliminate more Tazal. Obviously, not eliminating Tazar, well, that's just not an option. Because, well, they're Tazar, and you've got to eliminate them. you just got to allow Tazar to pass. You remain hidden. Hidden and watch as Tazar slivers past, moving steadily west before turning to the north, despite its obvious vigilance to reptilian... Once, never once seemed aware of your lurking presence. With your gaze trained on the departing Tazar, you quickly reasoned that you could attempt to follow the creature and discover where it's headed. Uh, Yes, of course, attempt to follow the Tazar. When you're reasonably certain Tazar is far enough away, you sliver out of your hiding place and begin to stealthily follow the slivering creature. Right, picking a number. Bonus of 50. 20 from woodmanship, 20 from agility, 10 from body. I've got to get 75 or more. Or presumably, you'll catch sight of me making all this, sneak, making all this sneaking about quite, quite a waste of time. Pick now. 59. Failure. After only a few minutes, you lose track of the Cesar as the red, swift, swift slivering reptilian vanishes into the thick of the forest. Unable to pick up on his trail, you spend a few minutes gathering your bearings before once again setting off on your way. Uh, well, I'm just going to have to look around to find another snaky man. Oh, pause for now. Right, here's another lone Tazal. So allow it to pass. Attempt to follow. Same check again. 150 success. 28 experience to woodmanship. For nearly an hour, you train the Tazal as it meanders through the tangled woodland, all the while maintaining a safe but manageable distance between yourself and the swift, swivelling reptilian. How big is this island? At last, in the mists of a bog on the western side of the island, your dogged, stealthy pursuit pays off. There, rising out of the soft, muddy earth, are the ruins of a large tower. Only moments after spotting the ruins, you lose sight of the soul. It seems the sinister secret has disappeared somewhere amidst the crumbling shell of the ancient structure. Well, I know where they are, so that's enough. You made a special note of this location, a fallen tower, and we return to it in the future whenever you explore Hawkwest Island. You're standing in a thick, tangled mist of the bo- of a bog on the western side of Hawkwest Island. Less than 30 yards to the north lie the scattered, crumbling ruins of an ancient tower. Only part of the 
Only part of the outer wall surrounding the tower's ground level remains standing. The once imposable, imposing structure is size determinable by the immense moss-covered blocks now littering the surrounding mire. Appears to have been frequently, recently frequented by Tarzel. The broad, telltale trails left in the soft, wet earth by the sinister reptilians' scaled underbellies cover the immediate area. Near the centre of the ruins, a wide set of steps descends into the lower reaches of the tower. So, might as well go down these stairs. You're standing at the bottom of a steep set of steps that lead up and out of the underground portion of the ruined tower. Torches and lamps, recently affixed to walls at, at infrequent intervals, cast their, cast their dim, flickering light in patches, through their glow is not enough by which to safely navigate these ancient passages. Suddenly, before you've had quite... You've quite had a chance to get your bearings. A trio of armoured tazors surge out of the shadows, gathered at the edge of your light. The vicious, red-skimmed reptilians, each wielding a broad-bladed incisor, hiss wildly as they sliver forward and attack in unison. Oh, good. Then I'll be ahead of the three tazar I let pass. Three red-scale tazar. The three Tazar slashes you with their scimitars. And they are slain. 21 XP. A quick search of the three Sane Tazar reveals only their scimitars to be worthy of your attention. Three scurdy scimitars. Thankful to have survived the attack, you make, make, you make certain nothing else is lurking in the noon gear gloom nearby before... Preparing to begin your exploration of the Tower Ruins. Okay, now this dungeon is made out of a lot of separate areas. I'm on the western side of a western bit. And I'm going to make my way to the northeast side. Where there's a, there's a way down. Torches and lamps affixed to the walls at infrequent intervals cast a dim flickering light, incapable of adequately illuminating these ancient passages, which means there are shadows for snake men to be hiding within. Okay, here's the question mark. You're at the top of a set of steps that descend to a lower underground level of the ruined tower. Descend the stairs. You're at the bottom of a set of winding, winding steps that, steps that climb onto an underground level the ruined tower closer to the surface. Alright. Alright, there's there's another little level. It's a circle and there's things in all four corners. I'm in the southeast corner, making my way to the southwest corner. A wing of engraved images adorn the floor here. The images depict a mountain, a sword, a dragon, a shield, a helm, a star and a moon. Step onto the engraved wing. You step onto the step onto the wing. After several moments when nothing seems to have happened, you step back out. Okay, northwest corner. You're at the top of a set of winding steps that descend to a lower underground level. The ruined tower. Descend the stairs. Okay, here's another little 
little circle with something in the southwest corner. You're at the top of a set of winding steps that descend to a lower underground level of the wind tower to descend the stairs. On the bottom of the stairs, here's an armour to saw. An eerie stillness of the dimly lit passage is shattered by the sudden and sharp clattering of metal plates. You instinctively draw yourself into a defensive stance as an armatazal appears out of the gathered gloom ahead. The sinister, red-scaled creature immediately surges towards you and attacks, hissing wildly as it brandishes its deadly scimitar. This is an armatazal, and I'm gonna fight it to the death. It's death. Slashes at you with its scimitar, and I go into battle rage. I don't particularly like snake people. Ah. You have slain your foe. Be a 13 XP. You search the bloodied remains of your armoured foe and discover only the vicious reptilian's deadly scimitar. It's common. Worthless. Just going to leave it there. Kick it to the side of the floor and leave it there. After quickly checking over your gear, you once again set off along the corridor. Okay, and here's another question mark, another steps down the stairs. Oh, I'm in the southwesty bit. And there's quite a few question marks here. Going to one in the southeast. A diamond-shaped impression is sent into the centre of an iron plate affixed to the northern wall in this section of the corridor. Several arcane symbols are engraved around the edges, the edge of the plate. Hmm. I have to find something to put in there. And on the southern side, there's another step, but there's also something on the northeastern side. It's another wing with the images of, of a mountain, a sword, a dragon, a shield, a helm, a star, and a moon. Okay, let's get to the stairs. Here's another armor to sell. Just quick combat it. 13 XP. And a well-crafted scimitar. I'll just take that. Another Tazar. 13 XP. Well-crafted scimitar. Oh, you get a slightly different start if it's a regular Tazar. I have to read that next time. Okay, I'm in the southwestern little chamber. Well, on the map, I've went down the stairs. The sinister red scale creature immediately surges towards you and attacks, hissing wildly as it brandishes its deadly scimitar. Another armor to Zal, and another well crafted scimitar, and 13 XP, which is probably more important. Here's an engraved wing, I step onto it, it doesn't do anything, at least not yet. I assume it will do something at some point. Another armor to Zal. Another 13 experience. And a superior scimitar. Ah, so those are the most valuable ones you find here, probably. Another armor to Zal. And another superior scimitar. Alright, southeast corner. Descend these stairs. Alright, I'm in another chamber. So many chambers. Alright, this is a big chamber. I'm going along the south side. Here's a question mark. A massive slab of iron spans the entirety of the passage before you. A close inspection of the slab reveals it must somehow slide into the floor. A small heap of rusted metal fragments heaped along the base of the slab. 
lead you to believe the formidable barrier was recently moved. Okay, now I guess it can be moved again. Here's the Tazar. You're startled by the sudden appearance of a scimitar-wielding Tazar several yards ahead along the passage. The web-scaled reptilian's gaze immediately falls upon you and the creature starts in your direction, its sharp hissing echoing off the walls as it rapidly closes in. It's another Cezar. It's going to give it a bash as it, as it raises its scimitar and is slain. 13 XP and a well-crafted scimitar. Right, oh, let's see, an armor Tazal. Let's quick combat that. 13 XP, well-crafted scimitar. Here's a question mark. A stone lever protrudes from a vertical slot the north wall in this section of the corridor. The lever has been pulled down. Oh, I guess I'll pull it up. You pull the stone, up, stone lever up as far as it will go. From somewhere nearby, you can hear the unmistakable sound of stone grating on stone. It's been pulled up. Can I pull it down? I don't care. I'm just going to leave it there for now. There's another Cezal. 13 XP and a common skimmer <laughs> Common. Leave it behind. Another Cezal. Just regular Cezal. No armor. 13 XP and a well-crafted skimmer Right in the northwest part of here is an engraved wing. Nothing happens when I step onto it. Eventually something would happen. Went south from there and there's an alcove to the east. Going into the middle of this place. You're standing in what appears to be a cell for holding prisoners. The heavy iron bars that seal off the cell from the corridor outside have long since decayed into ruin. The rusted remnants of the metal barrier lie heaped upon the threshold. In the almost exact centre of the cell, rising out of the floor, is an engraved block of dark stone. The carved stone block is nearly two feet across on each of its exposed side. On the southern side of the block, you discover a small, square-shaped impression. Alright, and I've got to find something square to put in there. Okay, can I get past that iron thingy-ma-bob? Okay, 13 XP, well-crafted skimmer. Yeah, lots of snake men wandering around. Nope, nope, can't get past it yet. Alright, I'm gonna go up these stairs. And then go up even more stairs. Lots of stairs to go up. Alright, ascend the stairs. Oh, whoa, Tazar. Just bashing it anyway. 7 XP and a square copper medallion. A quick search of this Wogtazar corp turns up only the square copper medallion still dangling from the neck of the slain creature. Oh, I should have read the introduction. Sorry about that. I guess you'll just have to play the entire game to find out. Believe the medallion may somehow prove useful. You promptly take possession of it. Square copper medallion. View. Armour. Neck. You discovered this square copper medallion around the neck of the Wotazal you killed in the underground ruins on an ancient tower in Hawkwest Island. The, arm, the medallion hangs from a flip fit chain, it's armour for the neck, it doesn't do any stats. 
because it's to solve the puzzle, not to make me stronger. Without further delay, you warily set off along the passage. Okay, I think that's something. Here's a square impression, diamond-shaped impression, several arcane symbols. Well, if you turn a square on its corner, it's a diamond. Square, stropper, medallion, 32 expeditor general. You'll take your square copper medallion and place it into the diamond-shaped impression. From somewhere off in the distance, the sound of pulsing energy reaches your ears. The strange noise rises swiftly in peach, pitch before abruptly falling silent. Okay, can I use it again? Okay, pulsing somewhere off in the distance, the sound of pulsing energy reaches your ears. It's the same thing again. But, okay. Now there must be some place else to use that. Ascend the squares, down across a little corridor. Ascend the squares. Across the other side of the square. Ascend the squares. Okay, what's on the northeast side of that little square? Descend the stairs. Okay, and there's a little corridor, and here's something. The face of a man. Carved out of solid stro stone protrudes from the wall at the end of the corridor. The lifelike eyes carved upon the face, while unmoving, seem to follow you. The stone face bears a stoic impression. Approach the stone face. The echoing, clattering rumble of shifting stone fills the air as the expression on the stone face undergoes a rapid transformation. The face protruding from the wall now bears a broad, friendly smile. Okay. A hideous scowl now. And then stoic expression. Broad friendly smile. Okay, three faces I can give it. It'll probably affect something somewhere somehow. Alright. And I can ascend these scares, these stairs, and back at the first level of the dungeon, descend them. Now time to get back to Get back to that plinth in the jail cell. Descend the stairs. Descending another set of stairs. Across the three three square room. Descend the squares. Alright, there's a Tazal. Just a regular Tazal. And okay, 13 XP and a common scimitar. Yeah. And there we are. Engraved wing. You step into the wing. After several minutes when nothing seems to have happened, you step back. You suddenly notice the square copper medallion expression. Seems quite warm. Hmm. Wait a minute. There's another wing. There's another wing up near on the second floor with the stuff at the four corners. Ascend the stairs. Okay, here's another wing. Step into the engraved wing. So you notice the square copper medallion possession seems quite warm. Did that do anything? Right, let, let's have a look at this square copper medallion. Has it changed? No, its description hasn't changed. So, hmm. Okay, I'm going to make my way down these stairs. Alright. Okay, I'm stepping into that step into that wing. Descend the stairs. 
at the southeastern, southwestern little chamber. Well, on the map in physicality, it's a bit weird. Stepping into the great wing, the medallion seems warm again. There's an armatazal. Superior scimitar, I shall take that. And the 13 XP. Descend the stairs, okay, up a bit. There's another Tazar. A sturdy Skibitar on 13 XP. Alright, here, here we are. Here's the prisoner we just ran to. And it's almost the exact centre of the cell. Rising out of the floor is an engraved block of dark stone. The carved stone block is nearly two feet across on each of the exposed side. On the southern side of the block you discover a small square shaped impression. It's time to use that medallion. I use it, 32 XP to general. The instant you fit the medallion into the impression, the engraved block of stone begins to tremble. After only a few moments, however, the vibrations abruptly cease. As you remove the medallion and step back from the block, a low groan, akin to the sound of metal moving across stone, echoes along the passage outside the cell. Okay, I guess that's probably unlocked the entrance to somewhere. Okay, back back to that iron thing that was blocking my passage. Let's go to the scimitar from another Tazel. Yes, the formidable barrier has been lowered into the floor, allowing you to move freely through this section of the code. Okay, new places. And another Tazel is my Woker committee, and I slay it for 13 XP. Okay, what's... Okay, there's a little alcove here. Nope, nothing there. Another armor Tazal. Another 13 XP and a superior scimitar. A series of sharp hisses erupt out of the gloom ahead, freezing you in mid-step. Quickly gathering your wits, you fall back and assume a defensive stance as seven scimitar-wielding Tazal. Sliver into view, seeking among themselves in the harsh tones of an unknown tongue. The sinuous reptilians swiftly surge forward and attack. The echoes of the vicious hissing assailing your ears. The first of the web-scaled Tazal attacks, swiping out at you with his broad-bladed scimitar. Tazal, one of seven, slashes at you. And is slain. 13 XP. The bloody corpse of reptilian foe slumps to the floor of the passage. Alright, here's number two. You step forward and meet the slivering advance of the next Tazal. The sinister reptilian boy hisses as it slashes out at you with its deadly scimitar. Just quick combat that. 13 XP. There's number three. Alright. The bloody corpse of reptilian foes. Stomps onto the floor of the passage, number five. And number six. And finally, the last of the seven Tazars is blazing yellow guys, fixing you with an icy glare. I think you should have run away. You really should have ran away. Slivers forward and attacks. Tazar, seven of seven. Slashes at you and is slain. 13 XP. The bloody corpse of a reptilian foe slumps onto the floor of the passage. 
128 experienced the general. You make a quick search through the remains of the slain Tazar, discover only their scimitars. The deadly blades were apparently the only objects in possession of the sinister reptilians. So the sevens. I was sliced by seven scimitar, scimitars slashing snakes or something like that. No, that doesn't work. Okay, uh, one of them's well crafted. That's the only one I'm taking. With no desire to linger here any longer than absolutely necessary, you promptly set off along the corridor. Okay, now to the northeast corner of this part. Just a random armor Tazar. I don't know why you think this would help. Seven of you attacked and it didn't do anything. You're standing just to the east of a small cell that's separated from the corridor by a line of thick iron bars. There is no gate visible anywhere along the length of the formidable span. A frail hooded figure clad in studded leather armor lies face down in the far corner of the cell. Alright, just going to finish exploring this a little bit, and then I'll say hello. Attempt to rouse the figure. As you step towards the iron bars, the square copper medallion in your possession suddenly trembles. Thick arcs of blue energy leap between the bars for several moments before abruptly vanishing. The hooded figure lying at the back of the cell slowly raises its head and turns to look in your direction. Your heart nearly skips a beat when you catch sight of the face that's staring out at you from beneath the folds of his bulky hood. It's the enancipated, fur-clad face of a catamaroc. And there's a link here, because it's been a while since we've seen those. These wicked humanoids, found in several of the deeper realms of the Nevenus, have head, hands, feet and tail of a cat. The catamaroc... Kasarak are nimble, clever and cool, and do not tolerate other species. Except as slaves, Kasarak are immune to the effects of nearly all non-magical fire, and they have the ability to ignite themselves at will, making themselves both fearsome and dangerous in the eyes of any would-be foe. Master Kasarak warriors are said to have nine lives, and are believed to grow in power with each of their new incarnations. To believe these scheming and warlike cat beings control vast empires in several of the countless realms of the Nevernus. Okay. Alright, what's happening here? Hmm. Well, I get that. well, he's the prisoner, so let's just let's have an old chat. A waggy gasp echoes out of the passage as the hooded catamox slowly draws itself into a seated position. Against the far wall, the cat-like humanoid is tattered armor splattered with dry blood. Regards you with a cold, calculating gaze that serves to set your nerves on edge. When he suddenly speaks, however, the soft tone of his voice, lending vibrance to language utterly foreign to you, conveys a gentle bearing that his sinister visage could never hope to elate. When he apparently realizes you cannot send. What he is saying, he repeats himself in your tongue. What are you doing here? he asks. You shouldn't be here. They'll kill you when they find you. You learn that the catamarok, who introduces himself as Karl Morek, 
is a mage who hails for another world, a realm buried deep in the shadowy recesses of the Devonus. He tells you he was recently captured by, by a rival mage, a Tazar named Gar, Gargonach, and that he was brought here, to your world, and into the ruins of this ancient tower. Gargonach is an old foe. He seeks to obtain an item of great power, was long ago hidden in this place, he says. He has forced me, use my power to that end, this tower. What, what's left of it is one of several identical spires that exist across a myriad of world and realms. You're standing in what remains of Thalborek, or such is the name by which we know it, responding to Camorek's inquiry. You introduce yourself and ask him about the object Gwagwanach is speaking. It's a book, he said, and his acquisition of this of it would have severe, serious consequences here. While on my world, the result would be catastrophic. Gwagwanach is power-hungry, vicious, and hateful. In the world from which I hail, we are running out of the strength required to fight him and his reptilian horde. The book he is after conceals an ancient magic which Gwalgrenok seeks to wield against his enemies. His acquisition of it will, with all certainty, prove our undoing. Having at last discovered, discovered the reason that the Tazal, that there are Tazal prowling the island, to inquire about the unbroken line of iron bars separating Karloxel from the passage. He tells you the barrier is magical. I was created by Gwagwanok. His magic is very powerful, he says. I cannot hope to dispel it. Only by his will. Or his death. Can it be undone? I'm going... I'm prob it's probably going to have to be the latter. You learn that Karmek was captured while defending a pivotal stronghold on his home world against a raid led by the minions of Gwagwanok. For nearly a week he has been a prisoner of the Tarsian mage, forced to utilise his mastery of ancient lore to assist Gargrenok in locating these ruins, deciphering their ancient clues, and revealing their long-hidden secrets. I'm not afraid to admit I am broken, he says. I won't pretend to be any sort of hero. There's nothing heroic about what I've done. I did what I needed to do, endure, do to ensure the safety of those dear to me. I already fear the worst may have befallen them, even before I struck so abhorrent a bargain. What is there I can now do? Gargorok will soon possess the book, and the worst will be upon us. And I will have played no small part in birthing the resulting calamity. Those dearest to me, and those I will never know, will suffer because of what I endeavoured to do to protect them was a bargain I should never have made, and long I would again make a thousand times more. Clear distress, the Castlebrook, breathing rapidly, closes his eyes and begins to shake. As quickly as the unshattering spasms begin, however, they suddenly cease. He opens his eyes and fixes you with his intense gaze. My own nightmare is likely to be over, soon be over, though it brings me no relief to consider it, he says. His soft, gentle tone, an abrupt departure from the frantic voice that echoed through the corridor only moments ago. Gargrenach will find the book for which he's searching. 
For this is Thalberak, the undiscovered scrum, stronghold of Berek, the glass great steward of the first strand. Berek's tome is here. When his is found, Grabarak will have no further use for me. I don't fear whatever awaits me his hands, only that, only what it is I will leave behind. Back home, unprotected. You ask Gargra Mark if it is too late to try and stop Gargra not from retaining the book. Kazmok seems surprised by your bold inquiry. He seems to give your question considerable thought before struggling. I cannot say with any certainty, he says. Had he already found the book, he would certainly have returned to finish me. I am something he cannot afford to leave behind, however helpless I may find myself here. If it is not yet too late, and you wish to try and stop him, you must do so at once, though going after him may prove somewhat difficult. Kargomek tells you that Garbarek recently succeeded on unlocking the deepest level of Thalgorek. He and a group of his deadliest minions swiftly descended into the lowest reaches of the stronghold to continue their search for the book. Suddenly, the Kasmok mage seems to have gained at least a portion of his strength, stares wide-eyed at the square copper medallion in your possession. He promptly asks how you acquired it. Garquinoch has one like it, he says, as you step closer, allowing him a better look at the medallion. It is the very object he used to unlock the lowest level. Strathmare, one of the mages in his company, also had one. They found them here in the fortress. I'm left to assume Skarthmir as the last had justice met it to him. When you describe for Gal for Kamomek the woe to Zar you slew to acquire the medallion, he nods. Then Sarthmir is dead, he said. If the circumstances were a bit different, this would be cause for celebration. I can think of very few of the reptilians, Gar Grenach excluded, more deserving of death. And perhaps more important than that, you have what you need to follow him. Kamorak tells you that Gargrenek somehow used the medallion, in conjunction with the set of seven stone dials, to unlock the lowest level of Thalborak. You learn that Tazar Mage again called upon the Kalamak's mastery of law and Akania to solve the riddle posed by the dials. Listen carefully, he says, his voice wavering. As he becomes wedged, as, as it becomes wedged, I do not know where you will find the dials, but they are somewhere below us. Here is how they must be set: from left to right, sword, helm, dragon, mountain, mountain, moon, dragon. You commit to memory the settings for the seven dials. You will automatically recall what Kamalmek has told you at the appropriate time. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that that's good planning because you, you you can't be expected to just say that again and again. He's in, he's far too weak to say that. And Zoop, of course, is going to remember, even if you, the reader, don't. Especially since you've just been told you don't have to. Kamorak takes a long, unsteady step backwards and nearly collapses, setting himself by placing his hand on the wall. 
the Kalamok Rage urges you to hurry if you seek to prevent Gargamok from acquiring the book. There is a lever somewhere at the end of the passage. North of here, he says, slumping his seated, slumping into a seated position against the back wall of the cell. Heard them make mention of it. Believe that pulling it will reveal stairs that descend even deeper into these halls. Somewhere down below, you will find those dials. Remember the sequence I have given you. You have committed to memory the settings for the seven dials. You will automatically recall what Galwek has told you at the appropriate time. Using what remains of his fading voice, the Kazmok kisses you. Start warning. If you go after Gargwenok, you must be prepared to kill you. Kill him, he says. He will give you give no quarter, and expects none from his enemies. A moment's hesitation on your part is all he will ever need. If you value your life, believe nothing of what he says. Yes, Kalmorek, how you will recognise Gargwenak. Yes, of course, he says, his voice growing weaker. He wields a large axe, a terrible weapon. His fire has claimed the lives of many of my kin. Leave me, Zoop. You will not mistake him when you have the misfortune of encountering him. Kalmorak falls silent and his eyes close. His chest continues to rise and fall. He senses that Kalmorak has fallen into a semi-conscious state. He makes several attempts to rise him, but he only grunts in response. Leave him be, Zoop. Just, you, you, don't wake him until you've saved the day. With the thoughts now bent on finding the Cesar mage known as Gargwanak, preventing him from acquiring the book he's came, he came to Thalborak seeking. You offer a silent prayer for the Kasamok's safety, but returning and setting off along the corridor. According to what Kamorek has revealed to you, you will find a lever somewhere at the northern end of this passage. Okay, I'll go north. Uh, the bend in the passage, you spot a carefully concealed lever set into the east wall. The stone shaft is almost indistinguishable from the wall around it. Pull the lever. You take hold of the stone lever and pull it. When the lever is as far down as it will go, you release it and watch as it slowly returns to its original position. Suddenly, a low rumble, animating from somewhere to the west, echoes along the passage. Alright, where is this low rumble? Oh, it's in that little alcove that there was nothing in, but now there is something in. You're at the top of a set of winding steps that ascend to a, to a lower underground level of the ruined tower. Descend the stairs. Alright, I'm at the bottom of the stairs. I think this is the last part. Torches and lamps affixed to the walls that in frequent intervals cast a dim, flickering light, incapable of adequately illuminating these ancient passages. Okay, I've gone east too, and here's a little alcove. A square inscription is set into the centre of an iron plate, affixed to the wall at the back of this small empty chamber. Several arcane symbols are engraved around the edge of the plate. Okay, I can use an item. It's going to be that square copper medallion. You press the square, the copper medallion to the square question. For several moments, nothing seems to happen. Then suddenly, a distant muffled clattering reaches ear. Uncertain as to what has just occurred, you remove the medallion and step back from the iron plate. Okay, let's go east and then north. 
Directly north of that alcove is something else. A pair of towering iron doors are set into the north wall in this section of the corridor. To the white of the doors, protruding from an iron plate affixed to the wall, is a row of seven stone dials. Here we are. It's the dials. Examine the dials. Alright. The dials appear to be able to be turned to display a number of different engraved images. You study the images currently displayed, glancing from left to right across the row of stone dials. Just dial one, it says mountain. I remember only with great effort are able to turn the stone dial. Recording what Gramorak has told you, the dial should be set to sword. Then I'll set it to sword. Set it to sword, set two. Adjust the second dial, should be set Adjust dial 2, should be set to helm, I set it to helm. Number 3, should be set to dragon, set it to dragon. Number 4, should be set to mountain, I set it to mountain. Number 5, should be set to mountain, set it to mountain. Suddenly, a loud shriek, followed by a series of stuttering groans, fills the corridor as the towering iron doors slowly swing open, revealing the black spinning core of a portal. The cowering iron doors set into the north wall in this section of the corridor stand open. In the space between the parted imposing barriers is the inking, churning core of a magical gate. Step into the gate! I always step into gates! You boldly step into the portal and instantly find yourself once again standing in a dimly lit stone passage, nearly identical to the one you just left. Look behind yourself on a surprised and somewhat dismayed. Discover there is no sign of the gate through which you stepped only a moment ago. Oh dear, have I just been tricked? If I've been tricked, I will be so slightly perturbed. Just slightly perturbed. Oh, well, one-way gate's not the first time. Okay. There's something that can go east. The bloodied, mangled corpses of several Jazal lie sprawled out before an alcove set into the southern wall of the passage. The statue of an armoured warrior, his chain-clad hands gripping the hilt of a long, large sword, fills the alcove. A small, diamond-shaped piece of copper, glowing faintly, set into the statue's neck. Suddenly, the sound of splintering stone fills the corridor as the statue steps out of the hollow and moves into the centre of the passage. With its lifeless gaze fixed on you, the figure of stone stands silent and motionless. So, I retreat west, attempt to move past the statue. As you attempt to move past the statue, the sword-wielding figure of stone steps forward and slashes at you with its deadly blade. Picking a number. Bonus of 30. 20 for agility, 10 from luck. Got to get 50 or more, or get slashed. 116. Success. You nimbly dodge a trio of the statue's deadly swipes, but ultimately forced to drop back beyond the range of its frenzied attack. Realising it's much too dangerous to attempt to move past the statue, you swiftly retreat along the passage. After covering nearly a dozen yards along the corridor, you turn and glance back at the statue. Dim light of the passage, you can see the sword-wielding figure of stone 
it steps back into the alcove on the wall from which it emerged. Okay, I can't go east. We've taken only a few steps from the junction of the passage when you suddenly find yourself confronted by three scimitar-wielding Khazal, the vicious reptilian trio, their blades glintering in the pale, flickering light of a nearby torch, sliver forward and attack. You boldly meet the attack of the first Khazal, defiantly counting your hissing, wedge-scaled foes, savage assault. It's an elite Tarzal warrior. The scimitar warrior slashes at you with it. The Tazor warrior slashes you with the scimitar. Brutal stroke for 13 damage. And is slain. 13 XP. Okay, another elite Tazor warrior slashes at you with his scimitar. Uh, and here's another one. An elite Tazor warrior slashes at you. Scimitar, 13 XP. The Tazar warrior collapsed into a heap on the floor, his scimitar slipping from his clawed hand and landing with an echoing clatter on the cold stone. 64xb to general. With, with the corpses of the three Tazar lying strewn across the breath of the passage, you step back and endeavour to catch your breath as you check over your equipment. Having recovered from the brutal fight, you make a quick search of the slain reptilians and discover only their three scimitars. They're all sturdy, not worth picking up. Wary of lingering here any longer than absolutely necessary, you promptly set off along the corridor. Okay, going north, and there's a passage that snakes to the east. And here's another statue. I'll, I'll just retreat west from it for now. Okay. The movement along the corridor comes to an abrupt halt as a crackling field of golden energy suddenly appears, spanning the entirety of the passage. Unwilling to risk getting any closer to the energy barrier, you turn and head back to the east. Okay, I can't go west from the northern side, maybe the southern side. Okay, another crackling energy barrier. Okay, I'm going to fight this statue now. Wait, can I use the copper, square copper medallion here? No. Attack the statue. Determined to get past the statue, you boldly move in, narrowly dodging the swipe of its deadly stone blade as you prepare to launch your attacks. A sword-wielding statue. Okay, it's designed to be crazy tough. Okay, there's probably something I've got to do. You duck out of combat and swiftly retreat along the passage. Much to relief, the statue seems to pay no interest in pursuing you. Wait, what if I equip that medallion alright ok I'm going to fight it again attack the statue alright I know ok ok with the medallion equipped can I go to the west no hmm. what's going on here Alright, just heal myself. Hmm. With that rifle's gaze seemingly fixed on you, the figure of stone stands silent, silent and motionless. Attack the statue or attempt to move past the statue? Try, ah. As you step, 16 XP to Gemini, as you attempt, as you step towards the statue, the coffered medallion around your neck begins to tremble. The statue standing in the centre of the passage suddenly turns and steps back into the alcove on the wall, 
from which it emerged only moments ago. Okay, okay. So if you have the medallion equipped, they say, hey, he's got the medallion equipped. I better not attack him because I was told not to attack people with the medallion. Carry on, good sir. Carry on, good sir. You're quick quick to note that the diamond-shaped piece of copper embedded on the stone figure's broad neck is no longer glowing. Okay. The bloodied corpses of several Tazar lie sprawled out before an alcove set into the northern wall of the passage. So they got through several Tazar before they figured it out. Okay, so another one, a small diamond-shaped piece of copper. Attempt to move past the statue. 16 XP to general. It's no longer glowing. Okay. Alright, oh, so it's two statues in a row. Torches and lamps. Affixed to the walls at infrequent intervals. Cast a glim flickering. Yep, that's the same as always. A diamond-shaped impression is set in the centre of the iron plate affixed to the eastern wall in this section of the passage. A number of arcane symbols are engraved around the edge of the plate. Particular item may be of use here. Okay. Square copper medallion again. 64 XP to general. You would take your square copper medallion and place it into the dime-shaped impression. From somewhere far off to the west, a sharp crackling sound reaches your ears. The strange sound only lasts for a few moments before suddenly falling silent. You suddenly take note of a soft golden glow animating from your medallion. Before you can study it more closely, the glow fades. Uncertain as to what just happened, you move your medallion and step back from the wall. Okay, at the very end of this passage, nothing. Nothing at all. Which is something. Usually you put something at the end of the passage, but not this time. Hmm. You, you subverted my expectations again. Yep. Okay, and the statue doesn't even move at all now. So I can't even attack it if I wanted to. Alright, move past the statue. 16 XP. So you step past, past, step towards the statue. The cob medallion around your neck begins to tremble. The statue standing in the centre of the passage suddenly turns and steps back into the alcove, the wall from which it emerged only moments ago. You're quick to note that the diamond-shaped piece of copper embedded in the stone's broad neck is no longer glowing. Okay. Here's another statue. Move past the statue. Another 16 XP for that. No, no there isn't, there's nothing for getting past those. There's just two statues guarding nothing. Okay. That, that's odd. <laughs> I mean, usually if you had set deadly statues in front of some place, you'd at least expect there to be something there, but... Maybe that's just another way this one subverts expectations. Alright. Crackling field of golden energy. Suddenly. You suddenly notice the square copper medallion you're carrying is bathed in a soft golden glow. Before you can examine your object more closely, you're startled by a series of sharp crackles. You instinctively throw your gaze in the direction of sound and discover, much to your surprise, the energy barrier has vanished. Okay. 
Okay, I'm on, I'm on the western side of this chamber now. I've got past the deadly statues and the deadly barrier. Okay, this is figure of eight shaped. Suddenly, all right, I'm in near the southwest corner. The passage suddenly widens. Your eyes immediately settle upon an unnerving scene. Several yards ahead, his clawed hand resting on the cracked surface of a large stone orbs, and its broad, flat head bowed, is a large, red-scaled tazal. A heavy, broad-bladed axe is hung across the reptilian's rigid, rigid back. Even at this distance, the wagged echoes of shrill hisses serve to fill you with an inexplicable sense of dread. You immediately realise this is Gargranok, the axe-wielding Tazor described to you by Kalmorek. The reptilian appears to be attempting to summon some sort of magic. His large eyes open and close almost rhythmically, and, amidst this incessant hissing, you can hear him making low utterance in a strange foreign tongue. Certainly he has not yet taken notice of you. You're about to steal forward when the sharp sound of splintering stone fills the corridor. The cracks spanning the surface of the stone's bore widen, and a pale white light seeps out the massive spear. Gragrenok removes his hands from the orb, and gasps as the light pouring out of the object rapidly twists itself into the glowing apparition of an elderly man. Okay, is this... Is this Brerek, I guess? Your eyes are immediately drawn to the ghostly figure's hands, clutched tightly by all ten of his long, glowing digits, is a massive tome, Gargranok, who retreated several feet upon the sudden appearance of the spirit slivers forward, and a snarling tone demands you, but you must have known that I'll find the last of your refuge, he hisses, his fierce skull giving you, giving way to a sinister grin, give me the book, and you can have the rest, you so desperately seek, you have no hope of denying me, our past encounters are proof of that. You realise the spirit standing before Gragonek is the ghost of Brack, the master mage, those treasures. According, according to Kalmrek, the vile Tazal has been collecting. Gragonek, his yellow eyes suddenly blazing with rage, angrily repeats his demand. The apparition of Babrak appears to laugh, though no sound escapes from his glowing mouth. You immediately sense the ghost of the long-dead mage is speaking telepathically with the Tazal. Tazal. The grim sneer spreading across Gragonok's face suggests the reptilian does not like what he's hearing. A bright white light suddenly begins seeping through the many jagged cracks, gridling the surface of the stone spear. Pagolus am I? hisses the Tazal. I've already snared you, other treasures. You would do well to release. You who dwell them on red, it is used without power. Gargrelax stretches out, stretches out his clawed hands, and the spirit of Barak immediately recoils as a phantasmal tome clutched in his ghostly hands begins to assume physical form. You are even weaker than when we last met, growls Granach. Slip back into the shadows and give my regards to the ghouls. You realise, and then lexed, you attack that quickly. The Tar Mage will likely lay his hand on the book in just a matter of moments. Okay. I don't know, I'm not 
100% sure I trust that catamark. But I don't want anybody getting that book. I don't want anyone getting that book. Because any book that's this heavily guarded is probably a thing that would do terrible things in the wrong hands. And we know that Gargrok is very wrong hands indeed. Intervene and attack Gargrok. Your, sw- your swift and sudden attack takes Gargrok completely by surprise. A death blow to the back of his skull sends him wheeling. He topples to the left and lands in a heap at the base of the wall. The apparition of, of Barak. The sorcerer of those most obscure secrets of Arcanium are hidden in the depths of these ruins. Turns to you as he draws the book into his chest. Destroy the spear! In tones of wistly voice in mind. Destroy it now or face ruin! Destroy it. Your eyes are immediately drawn to the large stone orb. The very object over which the Tazar was working his strange and powerful magic. You can only conclude... That by destroying the stone, as the spirit of Barak has instructed, you will prevent Garak from gaining gaining what he seeks. A vicious heast to your left spins your head in a direction of the sound. There, the web-scaled reptilian struggles to pull himself up upright. You realise that if you are going to take action, you must do so at once. So I can attempt to destroy the stone orb, or decide against destroying it. I'm going to decide against destroying it, just to see what happens. The Tazal Mage. Mage, seizing an opportunity or an action that's in front of him, surges towards the apparition of Brightwick. With savage determination, blazing in his wide yellow eyes, the reptilian shoots out his clawed hands and takes hold of the ghostly crook. The glowing spirit sweeps wildly and then abruptly falls silent as a gargarak tears the tome from his grasp. Clutched in his scaly hands, the phantasmal book becomes a solid, leather-bound tub. I think I just screwed up. The Tazar grins, elicting a power of... Exposing a power... A mouthful of deadly fangs, but his elation proves still lit. The thick, weighty tome suddenly becomes white-hot. Its glow flooding the passage, and its deadly heat tearing the ha- searing the hands of its capture. Gargoyle marks, screams, and drops the books. The tome returns to its phantasmal form the instant it strikes the floor of the passage, and then, in a blink of an eye, in along with the ghost of its long dead author, vanishes. The thin trails of, with thin trails of smoke rising from his charred plumes, and the odour of his burned flesh permeating the passage, Gargrinok turns and fixes you with an icy glare. I needed only a moment with it to require what I came here seeking, he is. And I've had that. I can sense your intentions, human. But no, I'm quite beyond the meager means you possess. Gargwinak holds up his smoking hands, and they are immediately enveloped in a dazzling white aura, nearly identical to the glow that came over the tomb. Oh no. Oh no, he's learned the deadly secrets in just that couple of seconds. Blazing flashes of white light suddenly erupt from his hands, washing over you as they flood the corridor, picking a number, bonus of 40, 20 from spirit, 20 from body. Gotta get 25 or more, or I get zapped or something? 140 success. 
You clench your teeth and present yourself from crying out as the white lash light rushes over you. The sinister attack leaves you drained and wary. I now have no Neville Reserve left. Because I screwed up and let the let the evil wizard get the book because I'm silly, stupid, something like that. Gargrunner closes his hands and the last remnants of the gas deadly light are swallowed up by the surrounding gloom. You ought to use your ass with just a bit more care, he snarls, now brandishing his double-bladed axe. Who would have believed that the wedged cat would have so quickly found a feeble mind to poison with his vile ice? Be thankful you find yourself at my human mer- my mercy human who would not enjoy the say of the hands of Carmelek. Hearing the words of Carmelek, you step boldly forward, prepared to engage the Tarzor mage, according to what the imprisoned Carmelek told you. Kagagomak's acquisition of the tone. Tone's power proved disastrous, not only for his world, but this one as well. You've taken less than three steps towards the axe wielding Tuzzle, when he removes his left hand from the haft of his axe and makes a strange gesture. Gargronach's body shimmers brightly for a moment and then vanishes. The reptilian mage is now invisible. Without warning, something cuts through the air only inches from your face. You stumble, stumble backwards and draw yourself into a defensive stance as you attempt to fend off the frenzied attack of your invisible foe. Alright, picking a number. Bonus of 50. 20 from agility, 20 from body, 10 from luck. Got to get 75 or more or be killed by an invisible snake. Picking. 149 success. You nimbly and inexplicably dodge several swipes. Of the invisible tarsals, unseen blaze, unnerved by the speed and ferocity of the attacks, you fall back several feet, your mind racing as you hopefully attempt to determine your next course of action. Suddenly, the square copper medallion is torn from your grasp by an invisible hands. Now, you'll not be so quick to run, his gargoyle up from somewhere in front of you. Prove to me your metal, and I might not leave you here for dead. Square copper medallion is gone. And I think that means I'm trapped. Having come to the horrifying realisation you cannot hope to fight, much less defeat Gargrinok while he remains invisible, you immediately turn and take flight, running along the dimly lit passage as fast as your wary legs will allow. The harsh, sinister echo of the Tazar Mage's hisses Coupled with the sound of his scaly bulk sliding along the stone floor, tells you the vicious creature is not far behind. Suddenly, you stumble forward at the clawed hand of Gar- as clawed hand of Gargwadak shoves you from behind. Nimbly retaining your footing, you spin around only to have the invisible blade of the unseen reptilian cut through the air within inches of, a- of your head. The Tazar has caught up with you. Picking a number... Bonus of 50, 20 from agility, 10, 20 from body, 10 from luck. Got to get 75 or more. Or get slashed by an invisible blade. 103 success. You nimbly and luckily dodged a deadly stroke with the invisible axe. Before the Cesar can again swipe at you with the fearsome weapon, you turn and dash off along the passage. 
hoping you can stay ahead of your slivering, red-scaled foe. Torches and lamp. Gargorak's rapping, rasping hickers echo out of the gloom behind you as the vicious Cesar continues his dogged pursuit. Okay, there's something to the north, though. A ring, a ring of engraved images adorn the floor here. The images depict a mountain, a sword, a dragon, a shield, a helm, a star, and a moon. Step onto the engraved ring. You quickly step onto the engraved ring, but nothing happens. Not wishing to waste another moment here, with the invisible Gargoynex still bearing down on you, you again set off in flight. Okay. Okay, going east. His echoes echo behind me. The, crum the crumbling statue of an armoured man, his oversized hand clutching a long staff, stands on the west wall in this section of the corridor. A thick cloud of blue dust surrounds the lifelike sculpture. As you draw closer to the statue, the cloud of dust drifts out towards the centre of the passage, as if trying to envelop you. You notice some of the dust readily sticks to your attire. Suddenly... As a grim hiss suddenly erupts from behind you, fearing that Gargorok is close to overtaking you, you spin around and assume a combat-ready stance, prepared to defend yourself against the impending attack from the invisible tarsal. What confronts your eyes as you stare back along the passage, however, is a sight that brings you a small sliver of relief, confronts you with a sliver of help. Less than ten yards away, emerging from the cloud of blue dusk, for which you passed only moments ago, is Gargwanak. The fearsome Tazar, who is still invisible, is now covered with a fine coating of the strange dust. As his, sinister, as his sinister blue outlined silhouette rapidly advances, you boldly hold your ground, waiting for the attacks to strike. Alright, Gargwanak, it's time to fight. I can kill him, or I can subdue him. Hmm. Now, usually, when I'm given the option to subdue, I take it. But I was told it's got to be to the death. Hmm. And he, last time I showed mercy, he went and got the book. Oh, I, I'm, I'm still going to subdue him anyway. The Tsar made hacks at you with his axe. Keeps hacking and I keep bashing. Alright, it's nearly, nearly down, nearly down, and there, there he is. He is subdued. 38 XP. Gargrenac slumps to the floor of the passage, gasping for air. The defeated Tazar Mage, soundly battered in submission, looks up at you and grins. His red-scaled face, split by, by the revealed line of deadly fangs, seems suddenly more dynamic than reptilian. You are most worthy of my metal, as we do not share the world. Saying, well, perhaps you'd consider allowing me to leave. Whatever you decide, I'm honoured to have had the chance to do battle with you. Hmm. 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 So, do I kill Gragonok, or do I let him live? Hmm. The thing is, he's got the tome. And presumably, as a mage, he could get out of here at any time. Could get out of here and do bad stuff. Hmm. The thing is, I've, I, the thing is, I've not actually 
seen any of the bad stuff he's done. Yes, of course, he's, he's taken someone prisoner, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We, we, we've not... Hmm. Uh, okay. He tried to take the tongue, but we don't know what he's using it for. Uh, okay, I'll let him live. You step back and allow the defeated Tazal to regain his feet. His bright yellow eyes widened. For a moment, the wounded reptilian stares at you in obvious disbelief. Then, apparently regaining much, much of his composure, he nods and thanks you. I'd expect no mercy, though I am thankful your wish to receive it, he hisses, picking up his axe and slinging the deadly weapon across his bank. There is, after all, much left for me to do in Iswakor, and many who are depending on me to do it. Alright, Gargredoc turns away from you and mutters something in a strange foreign tongue. You watch as a large black portal opens against the wall. The Zal immediately slivers towards the magical gate, pausing to look back at you as he reaches its threshold. I now return to my home. Do not linger here, he hisses. Bleric will bury his secrets. It is his way. Here, I have no more need of these. Garak tosses two copper medallions at you. Both medallions are identical to the one Kazal tore from your gasp moments after we came invisible. Alright, I have two square copper medallions. Without another word, the Tazar mains turns and slivers into the portal. The magical gate closes silently behind it. Now, I don't know. Is this Tazar evil? I mean, ah, darn it. I'd like a neutral arbitrator here. But there isn't one handy. We just got these two, these two wizards. Suddenly, a violet shudder wanders along, shudders, runs along the length of the corridor, nearly shaking you off your feet. Before you've managed to steady yourself, a series of loud groans, joined in their deafening chorus by the sound of splintering stone, echo all around you. Your mind races as several more shudders tear through the passage. The wall to your left cracks and buckles and large chunks of stone drop from the ceiling of the corridor, shattering as they strike the quaking floor. The underground levels of these tower ruins have started to collapse. Because of course they have. They always do. You hurry along the corridor, are momentarily uncertain of your direction, as you attempt to gather your bearings and decide upon a course of action. Hope you lead, lead you safely out of the collapsing ruins. You've only dust nimbly and narrowly sidestepped a falling chunk of stone when a sh shuddering terror tremor tears through the passage, instantly knocking you off your feet. Struggling to return to your feet, you're startled when the wall to your left cracks, buckles, and then crumbles, revealing a wide, jagged mouth of a cave tunnel. Realising the cave passage may likely lead to the surface, or the very least, will offer some protection against the violent cal calamity befalling the tower rings. You immediately rush toward it, only to have your mind suddenly plagued by images of the imprisoned Kartomek mage, Kamorek. Though you're not certain whether or not he is still alive, or if you can reach him in time, the thought of leaving him trapped in his cell as these ancient halls crumble into ruin is a notion you find troubling. So, do I decide 
do I do I go to rescue him or not? Uh, uh, well, look, if I if I if I spare Gragranak, it'd be unfair of me not to spare him too, and then they can just sort out whatever problems they have between the two of them. And I just hope this sorting out doesn't lead to one or more genocides, because that 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 would be a bad thing. Attempt to go go back for Karmorek. Without a second thought, you set off through the collapsing ruins in a bold attempt to reach Gargrenot's forgotten prisoner, the Katamok Maze, Kamorek. Okay. Violet tremors shake the passage. Chunks of stone toppled into the corridor, both before and behind you. Alright, suddenly, another tremor shakes the passage, nearly locking you off your feet. As you struggle to maintain your balance, you're suddenly aware of a faint, White glow stabbing through the shadows on your right. You instinctively turn towards the light, only to find yourself face to face with the ghostly apparition of Berek. The image of the of the elderly mage motions for you to approach as he sprays the finger on his left hand and touches the wall. Without the word, a silver wind void suddenly appears against a cold damp stone. Hurry from here, whispers a kindly voice and it echoes for yours. The one for one for whom you've come back is yet alive. The last of these accursed towers is doomed to fall. It shall be my tomb. Do not let it become yours. Before you can attempt to respond, the image of Berek fades and vanishes, leaving you alone in the quaking, dimly lit corridor, as yet another violent, violent shudder runs beneath your feet, opening a sizable crack in the floor. You rush forward and leap into the portal. The magical gate closes to your heels as you tumble lifelong headlong into a frozen void. Without warning, the void surrounding you vanishes, and you find you're once again standing in a dimly lit passage, somewhere within the shaking depths of the ruined tower. As you attempt to gather your bearings, the haunting, final words of Berek push to the thought of your thoughts. It shall be my tomb. Do not let it become yours. Realising you must make haste if you are to find your way back to Kamorek, and escape from here alive, you, you promptly set off along the corridor. Okay, let's make our way to the... to the... Well, what's this here? A low... Alright, just east of the stairs, suddenly, a low rumble from somewhere overhead. Head swiftly builds into a cacophonous wall as the ceiling of the passage suddenly... Collapsing, sending a deadly deluge of stone and debris down upon you. Now, if I had any magic yes, left, I could use fortification, but I don't, so I've got to dodge the falling debris. You spin around and dive back along the passage in a desperate bid to escape the debris raining down from above. Picking a number, bonus of 40, 20 from agility, 10 from body, 10 from luck. you got to get 75 or more. Pick now. 91, success. You are a remarkable display of agility. You dive clear of the falling debris. As the massive chunks of stone drop into the passage, their impact sending tremors along the entirety of their length, you hastily retreat to the west. Okay, and if I go there again, the passage is blocked. Okay, ascend the stairs. Okay. What's this? Uh, here's more debris. 
a low rumble from overhead swiftly builds into cacophonous war as the ceiling of the passage suddenly collapsing, sending a deadly deluge of stone and debris down upon you. Dodge it. Alright, same check again. Gotta get 75. 51. Failure. Several chunks of falling stone glance off you as you struggle to move yourself out of the collapsing section of corridor, battered, bruised, and gagging on a thick cloud of dust now filling the passage. You hastily retreat to the west. Alright, let's go to that mage. Okay, what's this? Bathed in sweat and nearly out of breath from your swift and dangerous ascent through the collapsing ruins, you at last draw up to the cell holding Kamorek. The long row of iron bars that once separated the small chamber from the passage is gone. Slumped against the back wall of this cell, his chin resting against his chest, is the catamorage <coughs> you've returned to rescue. Kamorak struggles to raise his head as you approach. He fixes you with a blank stare as you kneel at his side. It's as if he doesn't quite recognise you. Yes, <coughs> yes, of course, he says, his voice training away as a whisper as he leans back against the head. I didn't think you'd come back free, whether you were still alive. And below, what did you find? A violent tremor shakes the, shell, the cell and the passage. With one hand, you grasp the wall to steady yourself. The other, you take hold of Kamorak's shoulder, keeping him upright as the quaking continues for nearly a minute. When the tremors momentarily subsides, the Katamorak surprises you by slowly rising to his feet. And what of below? he asks again, as he leans against the support. He listens with great anxiety, great interest, as quickly describes him your encounter with the axe-wounding Tazar on the ghost of Berak. He asks you a few questions about the tone carried by Barak's spirits, though his main line of inquiry involves the fate of Gargarek. When you tell him that Tazor Maze yet lives, a look of extreme anguish passes over his weary continence. He nods and attempts to throw himself up, though he is censored. What you've, what you've related has deeply troubled him. What is there for me to say, except I must return home at once, he says. Fear that I may, what I may find waiting me for me. It is as it must be, I suppose. Come now, we may just have enough time to get ourselves out of here. All comes down about down upon us. Kaliborek asks you to open him into the passage. Once outside the, the cell, standing in the middle of the corridor, the Casmorcade asks if you still possess the square medallion. When you show him the two identical medallions you're carrying, he asks to have both. You, you hand him the two medallions, and he immediately places it on the floor. He then holds both his hands over the objects and closes his eyes. A low hum rises in the air as a faint white glow animates the medallions. Allow me just a moment, he says, his eyes momentarily darting to you. There is enough power in this pair to do what I can no longer hope to do on my own. I just need a few moments. Suddenly, a violent tremor shakes the passage. Kalamorek stumbles back into the wall and you nearly topple over, only to catch yourself at the last possible minute. Fearing he's been hurt, you quickly move towards him, only to freeze and stare in wide-eyed surprise as two black portals appear in the centre of the corridor, hovering above the two copper medallions. The Katamok mage, his expression lingering somewhere between a satisfied smile and an awkward grimace, waves his 
and in the direction of the two magical gates. The one on the right is yours, he says. With Kalamor Rock leaning against you, you to steady himself, you step towards the two portals. The Catamorock tells you the portal on the right will take you safely out on the winds. The portal on the left, he says, will take him home. There are many of my kid who would not consider thanking you for what you've done, he said. It is, I'm afraid, their way. I'm grateful, however, that it is not mine. It has taken me most of my life to realise that both enemies and friends are earned commodities, sometimes earned upon the same breath. I'm honoured to have known you, even for such a small while. Thank you for all you've done. All that you've done. Kamorak, moving unsteadily, gives you a nod and steps towards the portals. You must not tarry here, he says. The gates will soon devour the magic in the medallions and close. Farewell, Zoop, and safe travels. Suddenly, a pair, a pair of shuddering trembles shuddily shake the passage. Kamorak stumbles back from the portal, his keen, widening eyes fixed on the silent vortex at the centre of the magical gate. He turns his head and attempts to say something to you, but his weakened voice is drowned out by the rumble of a third tremor. As you move up behind him, your gaze is drawn to a dark form taking shape at the core of the portal. Become acutely aware of the reason for his alarm. With your eyes locked on the shadowy form slowly emerging from the centre of the portal's churning core, instinct takes over. And you swiftly place yourself in front of Kalmorek. He says something in protest, but you command him to stay back as you defiantly draw yourself into combat where he stands. Seconds later, a lone catamorph, a lone catamorph, his studied leather magical v- vest torn and spattered with blood, struggles, struck, staggers out the magical gate. His blank fair stare, seemingly fixed on Kalmorek, suddenly vanishes. His eyes close. His body goes limp. Of a torrent of blood spilling out of his mouth, he topples into a heap on the floor. A deep, jagged gash across his lower back appears to be the immediate cause of his gruesome demise. You quickly determine the wound that nearly severed the catamarch's torso from his lower extremities was delivered by the savage swipe of a large axe. Oh no, it's Gargarak. A vicious hiss erupts in the portal and you would instantly return your gaze to the magical gate, only to find yourself face to face with the wielder of the weapon in question. Your pulse quickens as Gargorak, seemingly recovered from your previous encounter, slivers out of the portal, his scaled hands tightly gripping the haft of his fearsome act. Kamorek, in a strange foreign tongue, shouts something at the Tarzel, and steps around you to confront his long-time nemesis. Before you can intervene, the Catamarch mage swiftly raises his hands as if summoning some force of magic against Wiptilian. But the Tuzzle proves quicker still. With little apparent effort, Gargarak thrusts his left open hand towards Kamorak, and the Catamarch crumples to the ground. With no time to determine whether or not Kamorak is alive, you leap forward, forward and place yourself between Gargarak and the Fallen. Catamarch, the wed scared reptilian removes his grip on his axe and grins. <coughs> you should have left him to die, it is, 
his grin rapidly replaced by a scowl. Dying by my hand, directly, is something his pride, the unsufferable pride known to his kind, will not tolerate. He's now even more disgraced in death than he was in life. I don't think you understand any of this, and perhaps you don't care. It would be, you would have better served yourself had you given me death when you first had your chance. Gargarok stabbed swiftly to the side as two figures emerged from the portal at his back. Maintaining your combat-ready stance, you watch as a pair of skeletal tassels sliver out of the portal. The wattering clatter of the undead reptilians, heavy bones, echoes along the passage as a gruesome duo, their fleshless fingers gripping the hilts of rusted scimitar swiftly close in on you. Gargarak, his face twisted into an expression of grim satisfaction, hisses sharply. I command in death those who fall before me, he snarls. The cat is useless to me, but you would be a prized addition to my ranks. You hold your ground and engage. So, two options now. Hold your ground and engage the skeletal Tazol and attempt Attempt to attack Gargarak. You know what? I'm more and more leaning towards Gargar Gargarak actually being a bad guy. <laughs> I'll deal with the Celical Tazal first. Knowing Gargarak, you step to your left and defiantly engage the first of the two undead Tazal. The undead Tazal warrior. Swipes at you with this rusted blade. Brutal stroke for eight damage. Go into battle rage. I probably killed you before. You've slain your foe. 22 XP. The first skeletal Tazal collapses into a heap of shattered bone, only to be immediately replaced by the second member of the undead pair. Begin combat with another undead Tazal warrior. Swipes at you with his rusted blade, nearly down, brutal stroke, 11 damage, and is slain. 22 XP. Gargarak snarls and slivers towards the portal, which he emerged only moments ago. Tazal Mage holds his left hand out towards you, and you immediately feel your limbs begin to stiffen. You struggle to break free from the unyielding hold of the reptilian's powerful magic. Pick a number. Bonus of 50. 20 from mud. 20 from body. 10 from spirit. Gotta get 75 or more. Picking. 74. Failure. Unable to move, you watch as Gargarak, suddenly afflicted by something unseen, grabs at his foes. The Tazzle Maze, seemingly unable to breathe, slivers back towards the portal from which he emerged, hesitating on the threshold of the magical gate. Then, with a final hiss, the reptilian, vicious reptilian slips back to the churning core of the portal and vanishes. He insists he's gone. Movement returns to your limbs. Unable to maintain your balance, Claps onto the floor, landing in a heap next to the unmoving body of Kamorek. You wake with a start and stagger to your feet as a jolting tremor tears through the floor, opening a jagged fissure that swiftly divides the chamber. As you leap to the white, dodging the figure's snaking path, you're su surprised and relieved to find both portals still open, and, and Kamorek standing before the one on the left. Hurry, he says, his voice fairly Hurry! He says, his voice barely above a whisper. Go through the portal now. 
You step up to the magical gate on your right and glance over at Camorak. The Catamorak raises his white hand and salutes you with a solemn wave before stepping forward and disappearing into the portal. As yet another tremor shakes the chamber, bringing down large chunks of stone and a billowing cloud of dusk. Dust, you take a deep breath and plunge into, into the dark, swirling vortex at the centre of the magic gate. For what seems like several minutes, you tumble headlong through a, a silent, lightless void, losing all sense of direction as you plummet into nothingness. Then, without warning, your surroundings instantly change, and you find you're now standing on a firm patch of ground beneath a bright afternoon sky, only a few dozen yards east of the tower ruins. After making certain you're alone here, you cautiously make your way over to investigate the stairs leading down into the lower levels of the ancient tower. You discover the stairwell which you used to descend into the wounds is now filled with earth and rubble. It is no longer possible to enter the lower reaches of Thalborek. Or at least, not without getting a very, very large team. And since I've, and since there doesn't seem to really be anything in there anymore, there's no point getting that team. After briefly scouring the immediate area, you promptly set off away from the ruins, eager to make your way back to the small boat and return to Edmark. Okay, call off the exploration. I guess I'm going to go back to Edmark. You take Yusuf's sturdy, sturdy boat back across the lake and arrive safely but exhausted on the stony shore near her small ramshackle hut. Right. Return to Edmark. Late afternoon on the day of your hasty escape from Thal... Late afternoon on the day of your hasty escape from Thalbrek and a significant return to Ebmark. The common room of the beast den, Ebmark's renowned tavern, is crowded and bustling as you've never seen it. You're seated at the table against the back wall, basking in the flickering glow of the tavern's crackling fire, a captive but willing audience to the jovial din that echoes through the, ch through, through the timber wafters of gin and essus that's thriving a settlement. You're about to call for more whale, somewhat doubtful that you'll be heard above the ceaseless, glowing clamour, when a frothing tankard lands in front of you, gripping the tall vessel is a weathered, thick-fingered hand. As the hand swiftly withdraws, you look up to find the smiling face of Hobbinir staring back at you. Believe that's fair enough for a bit of a town, he says, as he and four other men quickly fill in the vacant seats around the table. So... You've been out to Hawkwest or so here. What about it then? Any tussle? Come on now. I don't want to spin to the story, yeah? What have you got? You thank him for the tale and take a small sip of the warm, creamy brew as you contemplate how you will respond to the inquiry. Each of the five men at the tables fixes you with an expectant gaze. So I can tell them the whole story, tell them there were no tussle, or I could make up something outlandish. Honestly, I've, I've no particular reason to lie, so I'll tell them the whole story. Then it's all that I suspected. Every last bit of it, well done. 
Hobnor sits back and strokes his chin as he calls for more wet. The other men seated around the table, their eyes still wide as they struggle to comprehend the enormity of your count, immediately congratulate you, congratulate you on having made it back to Edmark alive. You spend the next small while answering a slew of questions from the fisherman and his cohorts, most of which involve your escape from the collapsing ruins. Well, you still won't find me anywhere near that island from now on. Looks like Jim may be right after all. He's been saying something was odd about that island, says Hobnir, suddenly deciding he no longer wants the ale for which he called. He picks up the flagon and sets it down in front of you, next to the one he gave you only a short while ago, and politely excuses himself. Excuses himself. Long day ahead tomorrow. Soon I'm off to bed. The sooner I'll be in the water tomorrow morning. And the sooner the blue sawfin will have reason to threat. The fisherman bids you farewell, and he and the members of his small crew rise and make their way out of the tavern. As Hobnir and the others depart, you rise, also preparing to leave, only to find yourself confronted by Jin Kafmer, the thin, pleasant man who always seems to be a bit out of place in his own establishment. Smiles and admits to having overheard the account you gave to Hobnir. Not supposing for a moment you expect me to believe what Hobnir so readily swallowed, he says in a friendly tone, smiling broadly. Maybe someday I'll get the weird story out of you. I know there's something odd about this island. In fact, it's one of the reasons we came here. Enough about it for now, though. Before you can converse with him further, Jim must hurries off across the room, joining Edessa in one of the many labours that see fit to confront the couple at almost every turn in the beast's den. You're about to follow in the footsteps of the Hobnir's crew and make your way outside when your eyes are suddenly drawn to the two full tankards resting on the table for which you've just risen, content, at least for the next small while, to discard any thoughts of a more pressing nature. You take your seat... You retake your seat and stretch out your legs beneath the table. With your eyes wandering the bustling common room, you take hold of the flagon and settle back to enjoy the myriad of scenes unfolding around you. You sit alone at the table, enjoying both the den's potent brew and the pleasant, almost melodolic murmur rising out of the tavern's high-spirited throng. Now and again, your eyes drift over, to a pair of wide windows look out over the narrow lane. There, the lengthening shadows of a rapidly waning dusk have begun to meld into a blanket of doom, now, gloom now swiftly and evenly draping over the lake, the town, and all the north broadlands. Quite unconcerned with the jovial bustle, a lonely but uninviting glow spilling out, of the beast den, night quietly descends upon it, Mark. And that finishes this adventure for 2,048 experience to general and 128 experience to all skills and powers. And that's about what you expect for an adventure of this length, probably. And that is that for now. So next time there'll be another adventure. Maybe three words in Mixbrow. Yeah, I think I think it'll be that. Alright, then we need to save. And until then, 
farewell, fellow adventurers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.